God to be a blessing in a long life's journey. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Ephesians. Let me finish the sermon I started last week and dealt with this morning a little bit. In Ephesians chapter 6, we'll stand together here in just a moment for the reading of the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 6. And let's turn to verse 10 and read responsibly. I'll read the first verse, you read the next verse. And then right down through about verse 17, I think it is, we'll read together. So let's stand together, please, for the reading of the Word of God. I'll read the first verse, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. It's not in the Bible, we just say amen right there. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, <clears throat> against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Above all, take you the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And we'll just keep on reading, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I am an ambassador in bonds, and therein I speak boldly as I ought to speak. Whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that you might know our affairs, and that you might be comforted, or might comfort your hearts. Let's read all together, verse 24, ready? Grace be with all the We got some fast readers and some slow readers. And then we got some of us in the middle trying to catch up, okay? But I appreciate reading the Word of God. I don't care how we do it. It may not always be together, but it's the Word of God, regardless, can make a tremendous difference in our lives. Father, bless the Word of God tonight. Speak to our hearts for just a few moments. I need your divine touch. I need your divine unction of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, may you make us a blessing. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. May be seated. I've been talking about moral backbone as a Christian, and we need that in these days to stand, withstand, and stand. And there are several places in the Bible that talks about standing up for the Lord. Peter said he would. He said, I'll stand up for you, Lord. I'll never deny you. I'll never turn my back on you. I'll go with you all the way. But it wasn't very long until the cock began to crow. And crowed twice, and Peter denied the Lord three times before that was over that night. Even lied about it, even cursed. Boy, that's going a long way from the Lord. I'll never, these other disciples may, but not me. I'll stay with you all the way. And Peter again learned how to be a great servant of God, one of the great apostles of the New Testament church, and one of the great spokesmen on the day of Pentecost when he stood and preached, and over 3,000 folks responded to the decision that day to trust Christ as Savior. It went from 3,120. It went from 3,120 to 5,000 were added, and multitudes were added. It's hard telling how many were saved during those early days. 
Historically, it says 100,000 people were converted in Jerusalem alone. It was so good, everybody wanted to stay right there. But the Lord did something because he didn't want them to stay in Jerusalem. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. So he sent persecution. And the more they were persecuted, the more they left Jerusalem and went to various places like Samaria and Judea and Samaria and the other most parts of the world to get the gospel out to the nations that he's supposed to get them to. And it's amazing when you look back over history how many times we've seen folks spread out to get the gospel to other countries of the world all because Jesus told them to. Sometimes they suffered immensely. Sometimes they had few converts. Sometimes it'd be tough to live in some of the countries of the world and be a missionary when you didn't have a convert for seven years, as some of our missionaries have been there. For seven long years, they labored and toiled, and nobody gave their life to Jesus Christ. You say, somebody failed. You don't know what the seed's doing while they're sowing it. And eventually there became some great works of God, some great churches came out of that laboring of love of the missionary. It happens all over the world. They don't always mature as fast as others. But the Bible says, where two or three gather in my name, I'm in the midst. And I want to be in the midst with the Lord. Amen? Amen. It's a good place to be with Him in the Lord. Amen. Know He's there and I'm there and you're there. And you can find your own little circle somewhere and learn how to learn how to stand better for the Lord Jesus Christ. I said the reasons for moral background is because of His Excellency. I talked about that last time and this morning. Also because it is essential. It is a private decision you make to be saved. It becomes a public confession. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And so once you get saved and the Holy Ghost works in your heart, it becomes a private matter. And so I've asked you, if you died right now when you go to heaven, this morning about every hand the building went up, they were saved. It was a private matter when you got saved. I mean, on the inside, ain't nobody saw, and then you get English, and nobody went, nobody saw. Well, anyhow, inside of you, nobody can see. Only God can. He sees the heart. And out of the heart, the confession is made. And the mouth comes and speaks up, and what's in the well comes up in the bucket. And eventually it becomes a public demonstration. He says, I want you to be a light to the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father, which is in heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He talks about us being the salt of the earth. And if a salt lose its savor, what good is it for? Except to be trampled under the foot of man. They use it on the roads often in that part of the country. And it became hardened and caked. And they drove their vehicles on it and walked on it. But our lives can be like that, just sort of hardened. Nobody wants what we got. Let me ask you something. If you was arrested tonight for being a Christian, is there enough evidence to convict you? If you went to trial, would you be convicted? Would I be convicted? Or is there enough evidence to convict me of being a Christian? Oh, I say I am, but is there enough evidence other than my mouth? I can testify all day long that I'm a Christian. But does anybody else know I'm a Christian? Does anybody else know that I've got a different life? Does anybody else know that I am walking differently since I got saved? Makes all the difference in the world. And so the reason for moral background is he is excellent. And also because it's essential privately and publicly. And then because of the enemies that we have. We have enemies all around us. The imps of hell. I've said this repeatedly in recent weeks. And you've heard it. You've said it maybe yourself. There are demons that fell from heaven. Angels that fell. The fallen angels. There are demonic spirits in the world. In Ephesians chapter 6, it's like a mafia and all the sort of one over the other, those principalities and powers and so forth. But I believe there's a demon for every sin. I may be wrong on that. Uh, there's a demon for every sin. And some folks have more sin in their life than others, but all of us have the sin before they get saved or rejecting Christ. And there are demonic powers to keep folks from getting saved. And after they're saved, the demons don't give up on them. They cannot possess you, but they can attack you. And I believe demonism is real. 
when I was in college, we had a missionary who went to India. Uh, she never married. She chose to be a, a single lady all of her life. I remember hearing her testify about going to going to India, and she said, don't you think this little girl wouldn't ever ask? Said she'd wink her eye like somebody asked her one time to marry her. And she said, that's not what God chose me to do. I'm just married to Christ. I want to go to be a missionary in the far regions of India. And she went. And she talked, testified about demons getting on her trail. And she said, trying to grab her pocketbook, trying to choke her as she went down the street. You say, well, that's fairy tale stuff. That's not real. Well, you had not read the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John either. Because there's all kinds of events happened because of demons as kids. When they were on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John, and the Lord Jesus was there with Moses and Elijah. After all that great event happened, he sent his disciples back down in the valley because there was a boy down there who was possessed of the devil and doing strange things, and they needed to be delivered. And they was on the mountaintop. He said, the work is not on the mountaintop. You don't sow seed on the mountaintop. You sow it in the valley. And you don't do your Christian life on the mountaintop. It's good to rejoice, and all God's people said. Amen. It's good to rejoice on this side. Amen. Amen. It's really good to rejoice on this side. Amen. And it's real good to rejoice on this side. Amen. And it's real good to be rejoice on this side. Amen. And it's really good to rejoice on this side. Amen. Well, we're finding out who the loud mouths in our church are. It's real good to rejoice on this side. Amen. Boy, that's good. It's good to rejoice on this side. Amen. Hallelujah. If I was Pentecostal, I'd speak in tongues. Since I'm not, I won't. I believe in expressing myself. I want to say amen. The fact that Jesus Christ is my Savior, I want to stand up in church and be counted. You ever been in a service when you had popcorn testimonies? Or you ever been in a, in a, in a service when nobody got popped? I hate to do this, and I'm not going to do it tonight, but I've been there many times over my lifetime. and many, I grew up in church all my life. I've seen the good, bad, and the ugly. I've seen Christians literally break out in a fight in church and fight each other. I saw a guy draw a knife one time. I'm talking about a church. And you think he's watching a cowboy with some of the things going on. They disagreed. Now, I would say probably some of those folks weren't saved. They were just demonic powers infiltrating the whole church, trying to destroy it. But a lot of things happen in church. And I've seen folks demonstrate their emotions on various and sundry ways. I don't engage it by the emotions. I engage it by the fact are they living the word of God out in their day-by-day -day life. That's what really counts. All of us can be emotional from time to time, and rightly so, because God made us to be emotional beings. When you shout, what do you do? Do you, how many, anybody here just cry when you get happy? Hey, okay, anybody, anybody, anybody just shout out loud when you get happy. Amen. How many of you don't say a whole lot when you get happy? Are you happy? You see, the fact is you are happy, not because you say it, because you are. And blessed are those, blessed are they in, in Beatitudes, just those who know God and walk with God and their life demonstration. But we have enemies in the imps of hell and the demon possessions all around us. And the devil would like nothing more than to get you into your life before you're saved and possess you. Now, I may be wrong on the fact there's a sin for every devil or a devil for every sin, but there's a bunch of them. And the man who had over 2,000, a legion, they called his name Legion, but there was 2,000 that were delivered. I'm not sure how many was in him, but at least 2,000 went down to the pigs and went and committed suicide over that hill that day when they got delivered. They wanted some place to dwell. They wanted some place to abide. And so the Lord Jesus cast them out. They ran to the pigs and the pigs went, the pigs, and the pigs went over the hill and committed suicide in the water. Amazing story in the Bible. You believe it? Amen. How many of you believe Jonah was swallowed by a whale? Oh, come on. That's fairytaleism. You really, how many really believe that Jonah was swallowed by a whale? Amen. Raise your hand. Well, how many believe that whale swallowed Jonah? Amen. How, many believe, how many believe Jonah swallowed a whale? 
If it said Jonah swallowed a whale, we'd believe it because God can do it. But Jonah was swallowed by a whale and was taken down to the depths of the water. And he said, from the belly of hell cried I, because of the fact of his judgment upon disobeying God and trying to run from the will of God in his life. So there's always somebody after us, somebody trying to discourage us, somebody trying to defeat us, and the devils are real. And I think there's thousands and millions of them around, and they're going to be notable, notable more in the end of time. And I believe their power is astronomical under the guise of Satan himself, and many battles are being fought in the Christian life. Why should I stand up for Jesus? Because the devil has a whole army on his side. We're in a conflict against each other. It's good versus evil. It's God versus the devil. And God wants us to be on his side. The way you get on his side is by trusting him as personal savior and becoming a child of the living God. The reasons for moral backbone, because of excellency, because it would be essential for our salvation experience, the confession is made with our mouth unto salvation and because of the enemies that we encounter along the way. But there is a cause that's greater than you and me, and that's the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very quickly, let me give you some realms in which we need moral backbone. Just very quickly. I need to stand up for the Lord because of my allegiance to my captain and to the Savior of my soul. I need to be in allegiance to the one who died for me and paid a price I could not pay and took, took my sins in his own body and nailed him to the cross. I was listening to the news a little bit this afternoon before I come back over. He was interviewing some soldiers in, in, in uh, uh, Israel. And one of the men was getting ready to go back in. He said, I may not come back. I may die. I may not come back. They said, why do you do it? He said, because I have an allegiance to my God and allegiance to my country. He says, I want my family to be protected. And they may not be protected if I don't go, along with thousands of other soldiers to go and fight the battle against the Hamas and all the other enemies they face. And remember, all of the dogma of the, of the uh, Muslim world is to, is to wipe Egypt from wipe Israel from the face of the earth. They hate us, and right next to them, the Israelites, is the USA of America. They hate us, and they want to destroy all of us from the very face of the earth. So they're our enemy in a lot of, in a lot of ways, and yet we need to stand up and have allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, he demands it. He demands it, and secondly, he commands it. I mean, we are either for him or against him. We either or we're not. Either you're standing for the Lord or you're not standing for the Lord. When Moses met with his people and they had sinned so grievously, Moses said, he's on the Lord's side, step over here. If you're on the Lord's side, I want you to step over here. Alexander the Great interviewed his soldiers, and he came down the line and looked at them for a while, and he said, soldier, what's your name? He said, my name is Alexander. He said, Alexander what? He said, just Alexander. He said, my name is Alexander the Great. I'm your leader. I want you to do something for me. Either change your name or change your ways. I don't want you standing in line and not fighting for us and acting like it's no big deal. This is a battle. You're dressed sloppily. You're not dressed appropriately to go fight a battle. And you know what you're supposed to do. I want your allegiance. Now, that's an earthly man, an earthly captain, an earthly king, and an earthly man who probably conquered most of the known world of his day. But he demands it, and the, the, the Ten Commandments commands us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And the, the whole duty of man is to fear God and to keep his commandments, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13. And so we're supposed to pledge our allegiance, and I like the song that we sing sometime, pledge allegiance to the Lamb, to the Lamb of God, who was our sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, and the bloodstained banner that's still being hurled and furled across the country in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
He died for us. He paid a price for us. Our allegiance sort of belonged to him. Let's just suppose tonight that I make a decision. Nancy and I have been married since 1968 and uh, celebrated 50-some years here a while back in June. And, uh, but uh, suppose I go in next week and I say, Honey, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay with you for five days. Then I'm going to have two days. I've got another woman over Charlotte. I'm going to go over there. If that's all right with you, okay? And my wife say, Oh, wonderful, wonderful. I don't think so. My wife stands five foot two, weighs 100, weighs 50 pounds. She would take her size five and a half shoe and kick me out of the chaos, probably. If you want to stay two days with some other woman, you go stay with her seven days. There's no such thing as divided allegiance. You know, you either love her or you don't love her. You're either going to be married to her or not married to her. And knowing Nancy well enough, she could probably handle me pretty good on a good day and probably on a bad day she could handle me. But the wife should be the wife seven days a week. And uh, all the time, every time, every day, every, everywhere we go, we ought to be together. My pledge of allegiance is to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not part-time. And many times, if you're not careful, we give part-time allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes, I said last week, we give him leftovers. Lord, I'm going to serve you when I have some time left. I, I've got this on my mind. I've got this on my heart. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. But I want to, and he says, I want your whole being. That doesn't mean you can't enjoy life. But everything that you do and everything that you were supposed to do is, first of all, making the preeminent one, as I talked about before. He resides, but does he preside? We're talking about that on Wednesday night. He resides, but does he preside? He is sovereign, but does, is he sovereign of our life? Or is he he's our Savior, but is he sovereign? Is he the Lord Jesus Christ? Remember when you talk about Jesus Christ, he's Lord. Lord means master. He is the Lord Jesus. Jesus means Savior. Christ means the anointed one or the Messiah. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. The entire title fits him and should fit us. And we are soldiers. We are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm grateful that we are. And he says, I want you to follow me. I want you to give your allegiance to me. You are to have no other gods before me. So said the Lord Jesus Christ. And a God is anything that comes between you and your fellowship and relationship with God. And that can be a lot of things. I mean, we, we just got to testify sometime and be honest with ourselves we have things that's in our mind, in our heart, that goes before God. If you had to choose sometimes to go to revival or just stay at home and watch television, you got a problem. Now, if you're sick, stay at home. Darlene, well, yeah. Darlene, this morning, she went out and said, Preacher, I'm not feeling well. I've got to go home and uh, try to get to feel better. Well, lo and behold, at church time here, she come back in. So she drank six bottles of beer and come back to church. No, <laughs> Took some medicine and come back to church, I guess, and I'm glad she's here tonight. Praise the Lord. Amen. She could have stayed at home the rest of the time. It's easy to make excuses. We've all made them. Now, don't sit there like you never made an excuse. You can find excuses not going to church. But if something really comes up that's important to you, you find uh, my boy, he's building a deer stand out in the back of the pastor field. Uh, I guess he's got in mind. I said, son, you're going to kill a deer? He says, yeah. I'm getting ready for the deer stand. and got a gun ready. Uh, when deer season comes in in December, whenever it comes in, I'm going to get me a deer. Now, that's his priority right now. He sees it's important. He's built him a, a deer stand. My wife looks at it. She said, that won't hold anybody up. He's going to get up and break his neck and trying to kill a deer. But sometimes when deer season comes, uh, I've known folks just to miss church and go shoot Bambi. Well, preacher's here and deacons are here, supposedly. But I, I can miss because I'm just going to go deer hunting on Sunday. I think I'd just go, if I was going to go in the woods and nothing wrong going deer hunting, I'd find me a place to just pray, 
I, I set aside Sunday for a time of worship. And then, you know, Bambi probably still there on Monday. And shame on you for killing Bambi. Oh, what a terrible thing that is to shoot that little old deer and the beautiful eyes looking at you. But we put everything in the world in front of us, in front of, in front of the Lord. And he demands our allegiance. He demands our loyalty. He demands our, our sacrifice. He demands all that. And that includes me, includes you. And it's so easy sometimes to let things sneak in between us and the Lord. And if we're honest tonight, all of us would be honest about it. There's some things we put before God. Uh, let me just mention one, another one that I heard years ago. Nobody here does it, so it won't be guilty of anybody else. A lady always has her hair done on Friday. Nothing wrong with going to the hairdresser. Nothing wrong with going to the hairdresser and getting a, what do they call them, perms? Boys do that now. We go to the hairdresser and get perms. I guess. I've seen some guys who's called it a perm. But she goes to get a perm on Friday. Preacher, I would come to church, but it's the only time I have to get my hair cut is on Friday during church. Now, I had problems with that. You knew revival was coming a long time ago. You knew what schedule was going to be. I think I'd have postponed my permanent for a week and do it the next week, personally. Because there's some things more important than getting my hair fixed. And that's trying to keep my family out of hell. That's to see God move in a mighty way in our church and the revival come. But when our allegiance is not like it ought to be, and I'm talking to me as well as you, and all of us can find some things in all of our lives probably that come between us and God and hinder us. What keeps you away from doing the will of God? What keeps us from soul winning? What keeps us from praying? What keeps us from studying the word of God? What keeps us from that? And we do anything and everything else we want to do, but we just sort of let some things bypass. And Well, the Lord understands. I'm sure when he was walking down the Via Della Rosa that I mentioned this morning and the blood was flowing down his body and from his head all the way to his feet and every drop of blood oozing down from his body as he walked up Mount Calvary and got to the top along with Simeon who helped carry the cross and he laid the cross down on the cross on the mountain of Mount Calvary, the Golgotha's hill and he went over and laid down. They didn't take his life from him. He literally laid down on the cross ready for them to put the nails in his hands and feet. He willingly gave his life. When they brought him up this way and dropped it in the hole and the thug hit the, the, the cross, hit the, the ground in a great tear of his body and the blood oozed out more and more and the crown of thorns was piercing on his face and all the blood that was being the gory, marry sight of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can hear him say if he was here today, I did it for you. I did it for you. What have you done for me? I did it for you. What have you done for me? Some people's life have been changed by just reading that in a store, in a window setting, in a sermon preparation. I died for you. What have you done for me? The Bible says, come take up your cross and deny yourself and follow me. And I think it'd be great. It's coming up in November and I'm sort of ahead of my schedule uh, of telling you, but I want us to be faithful to every service. Now, sometimes you can't go because you're just plumb sick. Anybody ever been there? Sometimes you just can't go to church because you're sick. And even when you try to watch it on television, it's hard to watch it sometimes because you just don't feel well. God understands that. He understands that. But it would be good every time we can, every opportunity we can to make it the house of God, to be an encouragement, to be an influence on somebody else's life, to help all of us together around the Word of God and around the man of God and show our love for God and try to learn better how to serve Him in these days that we're living. So our allegiance needs to be for Him. He's looking for a few good men and women to serve Him. I read, reading through the Bible, David had 800 men called mighty men. Some of them were even better than that. They were the three of the greatest. But 800 were called mighty men for David. They followed him and they became soldiers with him on his flight away from Saul. Mighty men of God. And God's still looking for mighty men of God willing to take up their cross and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, not only your allegiance, but your attitude. 
You know, somebody said your attitude is the wind of the soul. Uh, and, and let me see if I can just say it correctly. Because I, I plead, how many of you have ever had a stinking attitude? Would you raise your hand? <laughs> how many had one this week? Well, God bless you. Boy, attitudes are the wind of the soul. What we, what we do, it comes out, is what's on the inside. As I said a while ago, what's in the well comes up in the bucket. And the attitude goes a long way. Sometimes we try to cover it up and act like it's no big deal. But our attitude speaks volumes. I mean, your face speaks volumes. Your place speaks volumes. Your race speaks volumes. And all of us need to come to grips with reality that our attitude is not, not to be in rebellion because rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That's a powerful statement in First Samuel 15, 3, I think it is, where Saul was guilty that rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. We often say young people rebel, and sometimes they do. And when they do that, they're finding themselves in defiance of God. And he says that it's like witchcraft. And you know what they did to witches in the Old Testament? They burned them. The reason I'm not too excited about Halloween, I never get excited about Halloween. I'm not trying to preach a sermon against what you do and how you handle that altogether. But I just don't get too excited about Halloween. And some folks do, some folks don't. But I don't want to do something that glorifies death and glorifies, glorifies darkness and glorifies things that don't bring honor and glory to God. I don't have a God of the dead. I've got a God of the living. I'm not worshiping a God that's in darkness. I've got He who is light and the light of the world. And I should be following Him day by day and learning how to serve Him better and better. And I need to. I don't want my life, my attitude to become one that becomes a bad testimony for the cause of Christ. Has anybody ever said to you, you've got a bad attitude? Raise your hand if you had anybody say that. Your wife's honest with you sometimes. Maybe your husband's honest. You've got to tell the kids, listen, youngin, you've got a bad attitude. Now, if you'll remember... See, rebellion is a, is a way of getting attention. When you begin to try to get attention drawn to yourself instead of God, uh, you're finding yourself in rebellion. When you get in rebellion, then your attitude is affected by it, and your attitude can affect everybody else. And that's sad. And sometimes we become so out of sorts with everybody and everything that our whole attitude affects the very window of our soul. And so rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, and you follow another spirit. You're not following the spirit of Christ. You're following the spirit of witchcraft. And that spirit of the devil is alive and doing well. And when you start following that and following the suit of that, and you can make the difference. You know, some folks ask me sometimes, what should you do on Halloween? And a lot of folks, they give candy and put tracks in it. Nothing wrong. I'm not saying any way you can to get the gospel out, I'm sure. But I don't want to have to necessarily dress up like the devil to scare somebody. I've done it. Been there. Then I got a T-shirt. How many has ever been to a haunted trail? I'll bother all of us. How many's ever celebrated Halloween and went out and begged for candy? How many's ever knocked over somebody's a John? That's what you do back in the country in West Virginia. If they don't give you candy, here I come, buddy. That's a good Christian spirit. I'll show you. You get in the outside toilet, and then we'll knock the toilet over the hill and see what happens then. Then you'll get, well, you'll get yours. That's rebellion. That's what that is. You're following the wrong kind of spirit. You ought never turn anybody over. In an outside John. <laughs> There's something I'm going to say, but I'm going to bypass it. The attitude of your soul, the wonders of the body. God made this body. Somebody said he didn't make junk. He made this body a wonder, wonderful creation. And there's nothing like the body that we have. Nothing. Only God in heaven can make the body. I heard a preacher one time say that God, if I were God, I'd have made a difference. 
what I would have done, I'd have put my mouth on the top. And then I put my top hat, put my meal in, in there, and put my hat on top of the meal. And while I'm walking, I could be eating my breakfast on the way to work. <laughs> now, I don't know if that makes sense or not. I'm sort of glad I was made and fashioned by the hand of God, and He made me like He wants me. Amen. And He made you like He wants you. You say, I don't like the way I look. Take it up with God. If God made you, some people have big noses. Some folks have big ears. Some folks have big mouths. <laughs> some folks have things in their body they don't like. And sometimes they, they want to almost blame God for why they are like they are. It's like the young boy whose life was miserable. He said, I didn't ask to be born. That's rebellion. I didn't ask to be born. My mom and dad brought me in this world. I didn't ask to be born. And all that's happened in my life is not, it's not, it's not conducive for my enjoyment of life. And they didn't have to have me, but they did. In essence, I'm blaming God for me being born. And God has a wonderful purpose for every individual, no matter who they are and what they may have done in life. And sometimes the very body that you have, I've talked about those who stutter, those who sometimes can't talk plain. I'm supposed to go to a voice therapy this week, whatever that means. I've got to learn how to say I love you in a good attitude. I love you. <laughs> wow. That's going to be exciting. So when I get back from speech therapy, I'll say to Nancy, <sighs> and then I'll say, kiss me, baby, kiss me. And she'll say, I'm not kissing you at all. You got to, you get, then eventually as they work with you for a while, maybe Jim was telling me he went to speech therapy a few years ago for stuttering. And uh, all of us need all the help we can get at times. But when they get your speech maybe under control a little bit to help you, when I start getting excited preaching, I start stuttering. I can't explain that to you. Nobody else quite understands unless you've had a problem and you're trying to get it out and it won't come out. And you know it's there. And somebody says, Preacher, I didn't notice that. Well, you're not in me. That's a brilliant statement there right there. You can't figure out what's going on unless you've been there and done that. Maybe you have. But sometimes along the way, we find ourselves, our body speaks volumes. And so God made it, and He's able to heal it. If He doesn't choose to heal it, He may leave you with an impediment the rest of your life for His glory. And I've talked about several guys that I know who talk funny. You listen to them talk, you say, boy, they sure do talk funny, but they're great preachers. I listened to that. Brandon's Brent, still in here. Yeah, I looked that guy up. He was telling me about uh, Kevin and uh, watched, watched him preach. And he got out of the ministry, what, 10 years, I believe it was. He still went to church, still tithed, still worked in church, but he got out of the ministry because he couldn't speak distinctly. And how God got a hold of him, he got right with God, now he travels as an evangelist, and his voice is very scratchy. It's almost annoying if you're not careful. But once you get into the sermon and listen to it, he's saying something, and God has taken the frailty of a human being, and God is helping him. He can do it for me, he can do it for you, and anything you have as a liability, God can make it an asset. God's able to take your infirmities and use them for his glory. Some of the greatest people in the world have been blind. Fanny Crosby, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I simply say tonight that sometimes we think, well, what am I going to do? We don't always know how life is going to twist and turn, make some turns. We was eating at a place last night, and I happened to be on few, 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 I was happened to be on full view, and this woman crossed the, crossed the floor. And I kept seeing her going down into her bowl getting some food out and trying to find her mouth. And then I looked closer and she was blind. And whether her husband or not, he was giving instructions to her. 
it sounded like she was telling me where the water was at and where this was at, so she would knock it over. But she was eating, learning how to adapt to a blind situation. That'd be tough. There's some things I wouldn't want to lose. My eyesight, I hate bad enough for ear, ear, hearing infirmity, but to lose your eyesight is a tremendous sadness to have in your body. But some of the greatest things have been done by people who've lost their eyesight or have lost some part of their body that was functioning and was a great ability to them and God let it be taken away. So I simply say tonight, our attitude's important. May God help me, may God help you to be on the winning side. Thank God we're on the winning side. He's the wind of our soul, don't be in rebellion. It's a wonder of our body. Our bodies are made for Him and the tabernacle of the Holy Ghost of God. He doesn't make junk. We're all precious in the eyes of God. We are, should have a mind of a winner. We're on the winning side. Are we going to win? Amen. Are we going to, definitely going to win this battle? Amen. I'm going to close with this. Roy comes to my office and he prays for me pretty regularly. And I like Roy. Uh, Roy's just one of those kind of guys you can't help and like. Aggravate the stuffings out of me, but he's a good guy. And I love, he said, preacher, it's time to pray. I mean, if the president of America was in our office, here comes Roy. He says, time to pray. Amen. And he starts praying. I, I ain't going to shut him up let him pray. I ain't all the prayers I can get. But Roy's got his attitude. He prays for the whole wide world. Amen. I've heard his prayer many, many times. And he'll say, this is his statement. I thought, what a wonderful testimony to Brother Roy. We're going to get through this stuff. We're going to get through this world. We're going to make it. He says it all the time. We're going to make it. He said, one day we'll be in heaven. One day we'll be with our loved ones in heaven. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. And that sort of echoes in your mind. Roy's not going to get up and preach a sermon. As far as getting up and delivering from the word of God, perhaps. He may, may not. may never do that. But we're going to make it. Here's a guy who's got some handicaps to his body and sometimes has a little difficulty walking and talking. But we're going to make this. And when he's praying for me, he said, we're going to make this. Sort of helps me. And I'm glad for folks that God can take and use who they un- you think they can't do anything. They can do far more. Some of us who've got full capacity, they're using the very best of their ability for the glory of God. And I'm grateful for that. So we're in every realm of our life, as we witness, as we live day by day, as we walk with God, as we show our allegiance, as we prove to Him that we love Him by our actions. If you love me, then he will see it in what we do and what we don't do. If you love me, keep my commandments. You say, preacher, how do I know I love the Lord? Are you keeping his commandments? Well, you say, I don't know if I am or not. Do you know the commandments? Then there's thousands of commandments in the Bible. There's ten that we hang everything on the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. But when you get over to the Bible, there's other commandments Jesus gave in the writings of the Gospels, commandments, that you love one another. Take up your cross and follow me. On, on, on of commandments he gave in the New Testament that hinge back on the, new, on, the, on, the, on the Ten Commandments, but out of that life should flow a life that pleases God. May God help you, may God help me to be a better Christian, Christ-like, that God be glorified in my life and your life to the honor and glory of our great God.